The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome back in to the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. And Aaron, our hiatus is over. Our break is done. Feels great to be back in the saddle. It kind of took me a while to remember how to podcast again, but I'm looking at your pretty mug right here on the computer screen. And we're here, man. Spring football is in full gear. A lot of spring games are set for this weekend, and we are going to cover it all. First things first, how are you doing, my man? Man, just super busy, kind of all over the place. A lot of work, a lot of excitement. I think it's finally some warm weather here, too, in Georgia, so that kind of makes me... It kind of feel like football again. You know, spring ball, these past couple weeks, the games are going. I know you will be... In Athens, along with myself for the weekend, uh, it's going to be a great weekend. Beautiful weather. We have other festivities and and fun stuff going on. I'm doing a signing at the bookstore Friday night from five to seven. Okay. I know a bunch of other players will be there throughout the day on Friday. So if you're in Athens and you're on about, come say hey. I'll be there, like I said, from five to seven. And then I think you and I are doing a little punt, pass, and kick. That's that what, what I've heard. That's kick? what I've heard. I so, think, yeah, I think but, there is but we're a mixing punt, up a little bit. Yeah, I think there's a punt passing kick competition during halftime of the G Day game. And the caveat here is everybody will be doing something different. So I believe you are punting. I think Alec Ogletree of the New York Giants is kicking, and that leaves passing for your boy. That would be me, of course. So we need all of our listeners to chime tips? in. We need no. I got it, dude. Don't even worry tips? about that. I, I want our I... listeners to chime in. We need we need some action. Who's going to do better at these specific tasks? Will Aaron punt better than I throw, or will I throw better than Aaron punts? I think the obvious answer here is that I will definitely throw better than you punt. I mean, I think I already punt tighter spirals than you can throw. We might have to do that as well, too. But we need our Listen, fans and our you, listeners I, I to reach know. out to us and let us know. Well, I want you to know that I was third in the county senior year. Oh. 41.7 yards per punt. Okay, okay. So I'm just going to throw there. I mean, it, it probably landed about 30. I had the end over end. It just rolled another 10 yards. But third, third in the county, it, it goes a long way. Well, but that, I must it, say, though, I did the punt passing kick when I was a kid. And I, I out threw everyone by a mile. I kicked it fairly decent. And then I got up to punt the ball. And, 
And I was a little cocky. I was like, it's in the bag. I'm going to the championship. See you later. Going to be on, you know, halftime of the NFC championship game. And I punted the ball about 50 yards sideways. So I got deducted as well. (laughs) I got deducted 50 points and ended up losing the contest by like 10 points or whatever, 10 yards. So, well, please don't do that on Saturday. Please do not do that on Saturday. That'll be fun though. That'll be fun though. G Day is in Athens this Saturday at 4 p.m. So. If it goes as scheduled, Aaron and I will be out there at halftime, and we need to hear who you think will do better. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. The show, obviously, is at Punt and Pass, as y'all know, and Aaron is at AaronMurray11, and I am at DrewButler13. So spring games are in full swing, Aaron. Florida played their orange and blue game last weekend. Auburn had their spring game April 7th, which is kind of interesting, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Tennessee, and many others have theirs this upcoming weekend. It kind of caps off your off-season conditioning program. It caps off, obviously, those 15 practices that you have for spring football. A lot of mid-year enrollees are on campus. New coaches are installing new schemes and offensive and defensive game plans. Not game plans, but but uh, strategies if you will, and and I'll just get this out of the way first off, okay, Aaron? I'm not a big fan of spring football. It's called the season for no reason for that exact reason. All you get out of this, I think, is injuries, confusion. Of course, you being a quarterback, you like to get some flow going with your skill position, guys. You like to install some new things for the upcoming season, but maybe it was because I never specifically did well during spring football, I just think it's way blown out of proportion. I, I think it kind of messes with the off-season conditioning gains that you get from the end of the bowl game leading up to mid-April. Um, I'm just not a big fan. I think it's for the media. Obviously, I like it for the fans. But you gotta you got to be kidding me if you're going to sit here and tell me that the things that you do in 15 practices between March and April are going to make a huge difference in August and September. I completely disagree with you on this one. I think this this spring ball is is great for everyone, but most importantly, guys that say were redshirt freshmen last year who who were on practice squad or on on the scout team all year, not really getting any reps in their type of offense. This gives you an opportunity to get in there, get a lot of reps in your offense, running your plays, your schemes, and also for these mid year guys. And I go back to uh, the opportunity to go watch Georgia's practice. About three weeks ago, it was practice number three. They're out there about two hours and 15 minutes. And and the way Kirby runs practice was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Yeah, I think these young guys got more reps in that practice, in that one practice than I might have gotten my entire first spring. There was no time wasted. It was it was pretty much you, you had three practices going on yep. at once. Three different fields. Guys were moving all around. And actually, the first time I heard about this style of practice was from your boy, Bruce Arians, with the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I remember where that. Where you had two practices going at once, and and Bruce was actually at practice that day, was which was kind of funny. Uh, so we were talking about that a little bit, but it puts a lot on the coaches because they got to go back and watch this film nowadays. But these young guys that are getting all these reps, I don't care what position you're at, whether it's a quarterback, whether it's a DB, kicker, punter, anytime you're in that situational type football, that's going to pay off down the line. So I, I really, I think it's great for the young guys. I think it's, it is fun for the fans. I know Florida 
had their biggest showing uh, fan support since I think 2009. They had 53,000 people. Yep. Georgia this weekend is expecting to have probably 80,000, maybe get to 90 if they didn't have to cut off the end zone. Yeah, for sure. So it, it, it's it's fun for everyone, but it, it goes back down to the, the, the kids getting these extra reps, especially the ones like I alluded to who were, were stuck doing scout team all last year, didn't really get to show the coaches that they can excel and whether it's an offensive scheme or it's a defensive scheme. Tell me this, and it sounds like you're saying the guys who get the most benefit are those early enrollee guys, are the people or the players who redshirted the year before, and now they're kind of getting thrown into the fire. Is there any way that you could really split it up to where your senior leaders, the guys who you know you can rely on in the fall, don't have to take the brunt of these 15 practices? Coming from a guy like you, right, a four-year starter, um, spring football, you're kind of going through the motions. I know you didn't because you were a great teammate and a great player, but let's just say for a guy like Jake Fromm um, or for a rising senior, is there any specific way these coaches can let them kind of take some days off, much like you see some veterans do in the NFL, and focus on helping these young guys develop? Because if there is any good for spring practice, it's getting those young guys the reps to gain the confidence to where they think they can perform and accelerate in the fall. I could see that happening down the line. I think I just don't, want all, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't my players get Yeah, injured. I don't want I don't want a senior. I think it is for the young guys. I, I think that's the most important thing. And you look kind of all across the country right now as NFL teams start to report to OTAs in camp. A lot of times the guys aren't showing up with the veteran guys. And these coaching staffs aren't worried. These guys are yeah. professionals. They know how to stay in shape. They know what it takes to to be great when, when the real Sundays show up and then they're ready to strap on the helmet. So I completely agree. I think spring football in college is meant for these younger guys. And and for you gotta protect your you gotta protect your assets. And that mostly is a running back. You don't I never had really starting running backs in spring get hit too much. Mm-hmm. Most of those guys were wearing uh, what we would wear at Georgia, the black jersey, kind of saying, Hey, no, don't touch me. So a lot of those guys like Todd and Keith Richard Samuel, they weren't getting hit because you just take a beating. And then for a quarterback, though, I think you need to continue getting reps and timing with your receivers, your tight ends, uh, your running backs, all that good stuff. So I think it's a position by position and also a a veteran guy who maybe is banged up from the season before. Say, listen, we're going to just use you for just position work. You're not going to get in there on 11-11 or a receiver. We're just going to do one-on-ones and seven-on-seven, and we're not going to put you once again in an 11-on-11. We don't want any chance of you getting hit, something crazy happening. So there's ways to still get work in, good quality work, get better at your game, fine-tune your tools without you know, taking those necessary risks of maybe getting hurt with uh, a live 11-on-11 contact. I totally agree, uh, and I think that's probably the the way that it may evolve in the future. You mentioned OTAs, which are organized team activities in the NFL. Obviously, you're not dealing with classes and the daily schedule of a college student, but it's very much condition-driven. It's very much film study-driven, and then you go out on the field with your helmets on. You're never even putting your pads on, and you're installing, and you're making sure that these guys understand what you're asking of them and if they can go through the motions at full speed. So 
the reason I say that, and the reason I say the season for no reason is because of injuries. I mean, let's look at Alabama, Tua Tagovailoa, every Georgia fan's nemesis. He's battling a thumb injury on his throwing hand. Uh, it happened like the second practice of the year. I mean, that's a freak injury anyway for a quarterback, but then he has a setback just a week ago. I mean, I don't think he's going to see any play this weekend. Jarrett Sidham, the quarterback for Auburn, who you and I have talked about in the past, who should have a huge year, his second year in the SEC as a senior this upcoming season. He had shoulder surgery after the season. They kind of like rushed him back, Aaron. Their spring game was on April 7th. He didn't play, but they actually had a seven-on-seven Pascal um, period before the game started just so fans could see what he looked like after he had shoulder surgery. I just don't want that. I want him to just take his time, be ready to go during the fall. And Tua, why after the thumb thing happened, Coach Saban, I know you know what you're doing, but shut the guy down. He obviously can play quarterback. I just want to stay away from these freak injuries, and, and I think it's the season for no reason because that stuff can happen. And if I'm a fan, if I'm a teammate, or if I'm a coach, I don't want my valuable assets being vulnerable. Yeah, but you don't also you don't want them getting rusty. It, it's about being smart. That's what it's not, for, right? Yeah, it, eh, it's about being smart. It's not about pushing these guys too far, which a lot of these coaches do. I mean, they, they sometimes they do treat you like you're like you're a little kid. Like yeah. this is back in pee wee football, and, and they want to push you to a limit. And and I believe nowadays with advances in uh, technology, when it comes to understand the human body and and what it takes to to be at your best come season time. And that's a lot of is proper training, not overtraining. Mm-hmm. You know, some guys want to overtrain you and do, you know, nonstop Oklahoma drills or do wind sprints for 20 minutes after practice. It, I think we've learned nowadays, this is in the sixties and seventies and eighties where you can just grind a guy into the dirt and, and expect him to be able to perform week in and week out when his name's called. I think they're smarter. I think the trainers are smarter. I think the athletic trainers, um, are smarter making sure these guys are physically at their best when the, when the right time is near. So I think they're getting better. I, I do. And I think they're playing, playing things a little, little, little safer. Um, and it does help too that you're getting so many mid-year guys. I mean, you're seeing these teams, in the sec with eight guys, nine guys, 10 guys, mid-year guys. So who they're you expecting to see what these play. guys look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So they want to get those guys some reps too. So that's, that's taking the blunt off these veteran guys who are now expected to get all these crazy reps. Cause now you got 10 young guys who, you know, you don't want them taking all the reps, but they're definitely going to help you out and let you rest a little bit more. It's just funny looking back, you know, after being in the NFL, Aaron, and you can attest to this also like OTAs, right? You go out there with your helmets on, you're not even putting your shoulder pads on. You're installing what you've been in meetings for, for the previous three hours, looking back at college football, man, it's full pads. You are thumping out there. Guys are getting driven into the dirt, like you just said. There's going to be two or three practices out of those 15 where the coaches are just going to chew your ass no matter what you do. You're always going to be doing something wrong, but that's what college is all about. So uh, I would be interested to see if spring practice does evolve, especially for teams that kind of get hit with the injury bug during the spring but that remains to be seen you know you would hate for a guy like Tua to have this thumb injury linger on into the fall or Jared Stidham have a setback with his shoulder heading into the fall because those are two guys right there with very very 
high hopes. All right, let's dive into some of these teams, Aaron. Florida, you mentioned that when we opened up the show. They had their spring game, the orange and blue game, last weekend. Dan Mullen, friend of the podcast, he brought a bunch of former players there, which was really cool to see, right? Because obviously he is starting something new at Florida. He's trying to bring a different type of atmosphere, that old flashy offensive related atmosphere back to the swamp and it seemed like it worked because their spring game was full of gimmicks it was tons of points I saw guys chucking footballs into the stands after touchdowns celebrating with their teammates doing dances and choreographed whatever and that's fun that's what spring football is supposed to be about I don't want to go to the g-day game this weekend in Athens and see a 14 to 10 football game I will be gone directly after halftime if that's the case yeah, I agree. I think it was fun. I mean, Florida had a great time. It's, and you alluded to at the beginning of the show, this is a little bit about fans just getting excited about the season, getting to see some players. It's, I kind of would equate it to almost an NBA basketball game or not an NBA basketball game, but an all-star game yeah, for, for the sure. NBA where you get the stars out there. Everyone's just there to have a good time. Hopefully it's a beautiful day. The one thing you don't want and what we've been talking about is you don't want anyone to get hurt. It's just... It, it's like I said, it's an NBA all-star basketball game. You want high scoring, lots of excitement. You don't want big hits, you know, cause you're, you don't want your safety to knock out your own, <laughs> your own starting tight end or receiver going across the middle. That, that's the last thing you want. Uh, you just want to just make it fun. So I, I'm hoping that this weekend for the dogs is the same way. I really like what coach Mullen did. I mean, you have guys just coming off the sideline, Felipe drops back and all of a sudden some guy magically appears off the sideline, catches a 60 yard touchdown. Why not? You yeah. watch Felipe launch a bomb down the field, which he is one of the strongest arms in the sec. All the fans get crazy and they have a little bit of fun doing it. And listen, these kids have been grinding for 14 practices. You've had enough of time as a coach of seeing them in practice, seeing them in scrimmage situations where one day is not going to kill you. One no. day of letting these kids have a little fun, letting the fans have a little fun. I think it does does a good good for the heart for everyone. Did you catch any of that game on a SEC Network? I mean, did you see Emory at all? Emory Jones, right? Isn't that his name? I'm a little rusty yes. right now. But Emory Jones, Felipe Franks, Coach Mullen's going to have a decision to make on who to play. When we talked to him back in January, it sounded like he likes how raw Felipe Franks is, but then again, Emory Jones is a extremely talented guy. I watched a little bit of it, um, and Florida's got a ways to go, and I think Coach Mullen and any Florida fan would tell you that, but with him back at the helm, it seems like they're heading in the right direction for sure. Well, you got Coach Mullen who, you know, I've always been high on this guy, especially as a quarterback coach. You just look at his track record. I mean, Alex Smith, Tim Tebow, Dak Prescott. You know, it just go the list goes on and on and Even on. Nick of these Fitzgerald, rest- yeah, I mean, Nick he Fitzgerald, had right now. I mean, it, it's just unbelievable what he's able to do with these guys. And, and you watch Felipe; he has everything. He's a big kid, strong arm, can fit in all the windows. Yeah, there's some accuracy issues, and I think there's some maturity issues too. But you look back last year, and the majority of the time, he's just worried about getting benched. You know, he throws an interception, all of a sudden his coach is yanking him out the field. You're on the bench. A series later, he's back on the field. So you can't mess with the quarterback's mind like that. And I don't think coach Mullen's going to do that. He understands that us QBs are a little bit sensitive. You know, you, you can't just yell and scream at us. You got to find a way to continue to pump us up, get us motivated. And I think one with fundamentals and two with, 
with that type of mind game, I think he's doing a, he's going to do a great job with Felipe Franks. And from all reports, it was a, it was a slow spring to start off for Franks and he kind of picked it up midway through and, and I know it was a fun spring game, but he looked pretty good. All right, let's move on to Auburn. Auburn had their spring game super early, April 7th. I was reading some reports just how many injuries they were battling through during the spring, and that's something that you certainly don't want to have happen with your football team. Gus Belzon got that gigantic extension onto his contract, so he's obviously set and ready to go. And you and I have talked about how we think Jarrett Sidham could be primed for a huge year his second in the SEC. Obviously, he will be a senior, but they mix it up a little bit. They start off with some pass skeleton drills to show the fans Jarrett Sidham coming off his shoulder injury and in rehab, which I thought was a little bit crazy. But such an early spring game. Auburn, I, I don't want to call him a dark horse, Aaron. Obviously, they won the SEC West last year. They did beat Alabama. They whooped up on Georgia during the regular season. But Outside of Alabama and Auburn in the West, I mean, I am certainly not sold on LSU. And the other teams don't have much to really get excited about either. Auburn in the spring, it was a bit quiet. They battled through some injuries. I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how much they can get healthy and, and if they stay under the radar before the season starts in the fall. Yeah, you have to look at Auburn. I mean, just what they did last year, obviously – Anytime you have a veteran quarterback coming back, especially one like Jared Sidham, who had success last year, his first year in the offense, I think they they need to improve in the offensive line. They lost some guys up there and they weren't even that special last year. They got to find, you know, more creative ways, whether it's better talent or if it's more creative ways and, and just pass game in general. If you're going to keep a tight end in, chip with a running back, find any ways to protect for Jared Sidham because this guy you know, we, we look at this year's draft and it's a heavy amount of quarterbacks. I mean, there is a plethora of quarterbacks from top to bottom. You look at next year's draft, Jared Sidham may be the first or second quarterback taken in the draft. Yeah. There's not a lot of guys coming out next year. He's a very talented kid. So as, as a coach, you got to find ways to protect this kid, find ways to get him in the pocket, clean, throw the football. But you want to talk about other teams in the West who I'm kind of excited to see. I'm not saying they're going to have a great year. It's obviously Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher. You know, what is he going to be able to do his first year in that program? Is he going to kind of light a spark under them a little bit, get them going uh, to be able to consistently compete with the Auburns of the world, the LSUs of the world and the Alabamas of this world. Yeah. And another thing that we have to, we, we can't forget about either is, is teams are trying to replace players that have left i mean auburn lost cameron petway and carry on johnson they, they've got to figure out who their running back is going to be next year and it seems like cj tolbert who was the mvp of the a day game is in a good spot so that, that's what spring football is about you got to find who's going to step up who can replace maybe even an irreplaceable player i mean carry on johnson what he did last year was nothing short of amazing i i think it'll be hard for Auburn to just say, hey, plug and play. But that's what Gus Malzahn is known for. He's known for developing offensive talent. And Auburn, if they can stay healthy and get healthy, you just said it, man. They're going to be able to compete in the SEC West depending on how some of the other teams around them fare. Okay, let's head a little bit farther west from Auburn and go to Tuscaloosa. I've been talking about it all throughout the show. Tua Tagovailoa battling that thumb injury. Alabama's 8A game is this upcoming weekend. They always sell it out. 
Coach Saban will be out there full suit and tie as he usually does. That's just what he does, I guess. But it's a broken record, Aaron, but they do not rebuild. Alabama just reloads. And they've got sort of a similar situation at the quarterback position as Georgia does uh, with Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts. But it seems like Jalen's going to get most of the burn this weekend with Tua nursing that thumb. Yeah, and and you need you see it in all leagues of whether it's professional or now college collegiate level, you need to have two good quarterbacks. Cause it's just a very physical game. Things happen. I mean, things happen in practice. Look at Tua making a pass hits his thumb and, and you know, not only is miss significant time in spring is probably going to miss this spring game. And, and, and he really just needs to, this is when you have to be smart as a coach, you know, are these reps? I know, especially as a quarterback, a guy who had limited playing time last year, you want to get him in there. You want to get him reps against the defense with his receivers, with his tight ends, with his running backs. But to what point is it? Are you risking, you know, prolonging his ability to get back for this summer, work with his guys, be the leader on this team, whether it's in seven on seven, whether it's in the weight room and then heading in the fall camp, you had to kind of prioritize. And, and I, I'm sure I, I, I can't out coach Nick Saban. You know, this is just my two cents. I'm sure he you has a try, master though. plan. I can try, but <laughs> I mean, he, he's, he is probably the the greatest, if not top two college football coach of all time. So I'm sure he knows a little bit more about coaching than I do. Uh, he's a proven winner, and I'm sure he has a plan for Tua, and they have the best support staff possible in the athletic department. But at some point, you just got to let the guy heal. It's kind of like... It's kind of like Andrew Luck a little bit. You know, you keep wanting to push these young guys, and, you know, let's prolong having surgery on him, and then all of a sudden, it's been... Well, it's been a year and a half and Andrew Luck still hasn't picked up a football and thrown it. You know, at what point do you kind of just say, hey, listen, we need to take a break. And I'm not saying two need surgery. I'm saying Andrew Luck needed surgery and the, the decision was not made when I think it should have been made and he could have been playing last season. So you just got to be smart um, and make sure he's ready come come August and September. Yeah, it'll be it'll be tough for him. I mean, he's even posting pictures of, of his hand in a cast after surgery and Saban's calling it, quote, a little setback. I mean, look, I think we can all read between the lines. But, of course, uh, Bryant-Denny Stadium will be filled to the brim and everybody will be talking about how Alabama is set for n- another preseason number one ranking. X, Y, Z, we will watch after that and, and get excited because once spring football is over, you really start to turn your attention towards SEC media days and then, of course, the start of fall camp. All right, another one that we're going to talk about, Georgia, the G-Day game. You get, the, you get the, the sense that all of these games, A-Day, G-Day, I would guess Tennessee is probably called T-Day, Florida, F-Day, who the hell knows. But G-Day is this weekend. It's the red and black game. Georgia fans seem to be very excited about seeing Justin Fields for the first time. Five-star dual-threat quarterback. It's the first time fans will be able to see him in action between the hedges. Georgia, though, I think, Aaron, has got to find out who is going to replace what they've lost at the linebacking core. I'll say this right now. You cannot replace a player like Roquan Smith. He is a generational talent. He is one guy that comes around about every 10 years or so, but then you also lost Lorenzo Carter. You also lost Davin Bellamy. You lost Dominic Sanders on the backside. You got some holes to fill on the defensive line. I know they've done very well in recruiting the past couple of years, but I'm kind of scratching my head a little bit, and I'm saying, hey, let's pump the brakes on Georgia just winning 10 games automatically 
there's a lot of holes they need to fill, and I think you might get some answers this weekend during G-Day. Yeah, and usually when you want to talk about the beginning of season for teams, it usually is the offense starts a little bit slow. Defense is kind of hitting on all cylinders, at least first or second game, and then offense usually takes some time to get to get caught up. I think for Georgia this year, it's going to be the complete opposite. I think this offense, yeah. the way they're built to the offensive line, the depth they have at running back and the experience they have at the quarterback and receiving position, I think you're going to see that offense hitting on all cylinders very early this season. And I think the defense is going to need to play a little catch, catch up. Um, and I know they recruited well and, and they're trying to build that, that Alabama's mindset of uh, it's not rebuild, it's reload. But like you said, Roquan Smith, not only from a talent standpoint, but from a leadership standpoint, they got to find a lot of leaders on that defense. They For lost sure. a lot of great players, but they also lost a lot of talent leaders, guys who are making the calls, guys who are in that huddle, getting guys ready to rock and roll, playing and play out. So that's a big part of that, that, that defense too. It's just not guys line up and playing football. It's getting guys motivated, getting guys when they're in the Rose bowl and they're losing and Baker Mayfield's just going up and down the field, tossing all over them and say, Hey, listen, we're in this. It starts with us. Let's shut them down. And that's what they did that second half for Oklahoma that's great leadership right there. And that's the main thing I think that they're going to miss next year with the loss of these top players. So they're going to have to find that. And, and I think that mostly starts the summer. You know, who's going to be the one helping Jake from organize seven on seven. Who's going to be the guy organizing uh, film watching. Who's the guy that's going to be helping guys work out in the weight room, getting guys to show up. That's your leader. And that's the guy who's going to help this team succeed on the defense side of the football. But I'm interested to see, you know, they're going to be moving guys all over the place, trying guys left and right. Uh, I know they look the part. They're big. They're strong. They're athletic on the defensive side of the football. Let's see if they can put the full package together. Yeah. Can you be in the right place at the right time? Obviously, they've got plenty of talent on both sides of the ball. But I think those six inches in between your ears are probably what Kirby Smart and Mel Tucker are most looking for on Saturday. Can you perform with 80,000 people in the stands when it's a little bit loud, when we're calling plays in from the sideline? You've got to communicate with your other teammates. You have to understand what's happening pre-snap, motions. We'll wait and see, and I think that it's a very big learning process for the players and for the coaches. You take that, you take it with you into the summer, and then you develop from there. Just please, no injuries. Please, no injuries. Speaking of injuries, and I wanted to get your thought process on this because I've yet to see what my predicted storyline from the spring is which I said somebody's going to come out and say Tennessee's the sleeper team in the SEC East, and I think it could happen. It could still happen after this weekend if Georgia has a sloppy spring game and Tennessee looks good. I I, I will send you the link, Aaron, when I find it, and I might write it, but I'll still send it to you. Somebody's going to say Tennessee's the sleeper team in the East, and that Jeremy Pruitt's prime for a big year in his first season. On Rocky Top, but here's what they're doing on Saturday. They're doing ones versus ones in Pruitt's first spring game. He wants his players to have a chance to, quote, compete, he said. So he's taking the number one offense and putting them up against that number one defense. Usually it's 1-0 versus 2-D and 2-0 versus 1-D. Do you like this? Because I think it might make for some sloppy football and a lot of three and outs. I think it's going to make for a lot of three and outs. I think it's going to 
I just don't think it's be fun for anyone. No. Uh, you you look at scrimmages in the spring and and you've seen the offenses. First off, when you're going against a defense, your defense, they know all your checks. They know your yeah, plays. They know exactly they, they've seen what's it. coming. The right. defensive coaches have seen it. They know what's going to happen. So when you get on the football field on a spring game where these this these guys have not only seen you all last season but all for 14 straight days, they know your tendencies. They know when you say a certain word that it's going to be this route or this play. It just makes for sloppy football. It really, really does. I think it's not fun for anyone. Um, it's not useful. I think you want guys to go out there and excel to gain confidence. I think that's another big thing for spring. You want these guys to feel confident heading into the summertime Absolutely. that, man, I got better this spring. I competed. I did well. The coaches are happy with me. And, and yes, I know I need to work on this, this, and this, but I, I do feel like I improved my game over these 15 days and it, it finalizes itself on the spring day. So I don't like it. I think it's going to be kind of, like I said, boring. It's going to be low scoring, like a 14 to 10 game. And, and uh, I don't think anyone's going to be too juiced or excited afterwards. You know, I think I don't like spring football. I just remember this is what I saw when I was watching that Florida game on SEC Network, and believe me, I was extremely bored and had nothing to do when I was watching the Florida spring game on SEC Network. It's There's no emphasis on special teams, Aaron. I think that's why I kind of have uh, a, sore, a sore spot for spring football. I mean, Florida, for field goals and extra points, would just send out the snapper, holder, and kicker with no rush and nobody around him to go take care of the point after. And then obviously when you're punting, um, there's no rush, no return, and there's absolutely zero kickoffs in the game. So forgive me for my, I guess, just grouchy attitude towards spring football, but it's there for a reason. And I, I mention that because with the one offense playing the one defense in Tennessee this Saturday, you mentioned it as a former quarterback. Tennessee's defense will literally know probably 85% of what's coming their way. Um, and there will be a lot of three and outs, which in turn means a lot of punting with no rush and no return. So that's extremely boring football, and I don't want to watch that. We'll be interesting to see who writes the article that says Tennessee is primed for a huge fall, and they are a sleeper pick to win the SEC East because it's coming. It is coming, and I will send it to you. All right, last team that we're going to touch on, LSU holds their spring game this weekend as well. New offensive coordinator. It seems like they get a new one every single season. New offensive coordinator Steve Ensminger, who is a former LSU quarterback and assistant coach, is at the helm on the offensive side of the ball. There's only one caveat, though, Aaron. LSU still doesn't have a quarterback. Miles Brennan, Lowell Narcisse, and Justin McMillan are competing for the job. I'm just not sold on Coach O. I'm not sold on LSU's offense. Hell, it seems like they've got so much talent every single year, and they just can't seem to do anything with it on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think another new offensive coordinator is what will fix that. No, they need to somehow find a quarterback. Yeah, it's just they've got to recruit. It's mind blowing for me that you can't get a quarterback into that into that system when you have all the talent at receiver, you have all the talent at running back, you have a great defense. Uh, they literally every year have the making for a team that can compete for championships. It's just, you need a, you need a gunslinger. You need someone back there. That's going to win you those tight games, be able to drive you down uh, when it's the fourth quarter, when it's tied two minute drill, all that kind of stuff. And, and they just have not had that guy back there. They've had a great offensive line. They've had running backs. I mean, their guy this year is going to be drafted in the first round, but 
there's only so much you can do with the offensive coordinator. If you don't have a guy who can complete passes, you just can't do it. So until they find that they're going to continue going through, they're going to continue have to go through new offensive coordinators because nothing's going to work. You have to bring the right guy in there. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it literally is mind blowing how a, a school like Florida and a school like LSU have gone so long without getting a top, top guy in there. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if they can do it this year. Cause once again, they're going to line up and be just as talented as every other team they face. It's not even though like a gunslinger mentality for me, it, you look at a player like Jake Fromm, you look at someone like Jalen hurts. You're just talking about a guy. Okay. You did say obviously complete passes short to intermediate, get first downs, limit turnovers, manage a football game. But I also think that has a lot to do with the coach and the coaching staff. So can Coach O put these three quarterbacks in the best position to succeed? And can Coach Ensminger, I think that's how you say his name, Steve Ensminger, Ensminger? I have Your guess is good no idea. But this guy's going to have a tough task to get that offensive machine set up correctly in Baton Rouge. But we will be watching as the spring unfolds, and I'm just excited because once spring football's done, Aaron, um, I think the guys like to blow off a little bit of steam. You've got about two, two and a half weeks until finals swing around. You get to maybe go downtown, hang out with your buddies, hit up a couple of spring parties. It's always a good time. So before I ask you what to expect after spring ball, what was your favorite storyline of spring football? Was it the Tua injury? Was it Auburn having seven-on-seven practice during their spring game? Dan Mullen back at Florida. What was your top spring football storyline? I think Tua, obviously. Uh, for me, when you have a guy who who had all the hype coming in, coming in second half, doing what he did in the national championship game, and now all the excitement, like, okay, now he's going to have a full spring, a full summer, a full fall camp to now you know get all these reps to get ready for a season as, as a full-time starter – this definitely throws a little bit of a hiccup in it. And then who knows how long this injury will, will linger on if it's going to be something that's going to be healed and, and good to go for summer. So they can compete in seven on seven and, and get ready for fall camp. Or is this something now that's going to be like I was talking about earlier with an Andrew luck, or it just continues to linger and, and just stay about and affect his throwing affect his motion. And, and so it, I'm no doctor. I'm not there. I'm not examining his thumb. I don't know how severe this injury is, but it's something that as a quarterback, if you're, if you're, if you're throwing hands barring you even a little bit, it definitely throws your game off a little bit. And then now you are thinking in the pocket of, you know, do I want to fully come down on this throw? Because last time I did this, I nailed someone in the helmet and, and broke my thumb. So it will be in the back of his head a little bit and it may affect him uh, the amount of reps he's going to get this summer. That obviously is a fantastic storyline, and and you stole it right out of my mouth. But I'm going to go to the LSU storyline, and this is kind of out of left field for me, but can LSU find a quarterback? I, I don't think so, and I think it starts at the top. They've got to recruit the right guy, but they've got to put him in the right system. I'm going to be watching that game this week, and I'll probably put it on my DVR. I'm going to go back and, and watch because I love – punt and pass Aaron and I'm, I'm I'm committed to this podcast I will bring you fire analysis and exactly what you need to know about LSU's quarterback conundrum 
after this weekend. So hold me to that. And I say after this weekend because we will put out a podcast next week. Can you believe it? Two weeks in a row. Let's after go. Our You've hiatus. been slacking on me. You, me. It's been you're you, slacking. Bro. I you're, call you're just you. Getting, you're I text getting ready you. for daddy. Life. I get That's nothing back from you. You don't even talk just to getting me. Getting ready for daddy. You don't even talk to me. People are really? like, hey, how's the podcast going? I go, I don't know. My buddy Aaron doesn't even talk to me anymore. Just, you've just been ghosting me, man. You just use me. You use me. You're so unbelievable. <laughs> you do. You're golfing. You're building like little baby things left <laughs> and right. That is true. Which is a good thing, though. You got, like you said before the show, you had to build up all this credit now with the wife. So, yes. you know, when, yeah, it's your world's about to be just dumped on its head that's right dude we are waiting we are patiently waiting for baby butler to make her arrival into this great world my pregnant wife jackie is doing extremely well and so is the baby knock on wood so i will obviously update you when i am a daddy because that's happening very very soon but we are going to bring another pod next week we're going to touch on the nfl draft and some sec prospects who are slated to go we can make our best predictions last question for you aaron what to expect after spring football? I mentioned guys like to blow off some steam. I think if you're staying in the Athens area this weekend, you may see some players out after the game. What is after spring ball? Do you get right back into the weight room? Do you hit the books to finish hard in the spring semester? Where do you go from here? You got to take a break. You know, some people, I love when people say, you know, I'm, I'm grinding 24-7 all day, all year long, every single day. It's like <laughs> mentally and physically, you 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 can't. I don't care what your what profession you're doing, your body and your mind need a break. And these guys, they've been, you know, from January when they got back into school to mat drills to spring ball to the spring game. You need a break. Your body can't grow, your mind can't grow if you don't step away, reevaluate everything, and kind of just get away. So for these kids, Focus on class. You'll get made to kind of go home, relax, train at your high school, have a little bit of fun, and then get back of the summer, refresh, feeling great, get ready to train your butt off for two months leading up to the season. So I completely agree with these guys, kind of just letting loose a little bit. Don't go crazy. Don't go getting drunk every night, acting like an idiot. But, you know, you don't need to be in the weight room every single day. Stay in shape. Work out three, four times a week run a little bit. You don't want to show up to summer, summer workouts completely sloppy, but you don't need to be in the weight room and throwing, throwing the football around six, seven days a week, you know, get away a little bit. It's not always about working the hardest. It's more often about working the smartest little, a little DB wisdom for you a little bit. All right. Well, that felt really good to podcast again, Aaron, especially with you right here on punt and pass do you feel like you did a good job or are you excited with being Dude, back excited. in the saddle all right cool and then, and then next week we got you can't forget big week draft week baby all right i'm fired draft up week. i'm ready to rock and roll i know all of our fans and listeners will be ready to rock also again you can find us on instagram and twitter at punt and pass he's aaron murray at aaron murray 11 and i am drew butler at drew butler 13 tune back in next week See you.